Full of Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines in pop culture, and the meaning might it all. I'm your host, Winsor Burns, a little of our Save on Morse. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. Two weeks in a row. Two, two weeks in a row. We, a back. Row. we back. We back. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> um, and for this episode, we have a lot of topics to get into, as always, and we're going to get into uh, um, some, some boxing topics, also some... Um, NBA um, off-season discussion, some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of Thor, Love, and Thunder. Um, to start off with just thoughts on Ryan Garcia's win versus um, Javier Fortuna uh, and him wanting, you know, Javante uh, Davis next. Um, this past Saturday night, Garcia had a six-round knockout of Fortuna in a 140-pound bout. Um, he, ESPN has him ranked as the number six um, boxer on, on their list, and his last few fights have been contested at 140 and Garcia also said, quote, I'm not going back down to 135 for nothing, but I will fight fight take next, end quote. Um, and you know, and he also says that if Tank wants it at 140, uh, let's get it. But what are your thoughts on this win for Ryan Garcia and, and what's next for him as as you know, the fight against Tank is the one that he seems like he really wants to have by the end of the year? It's time for him to get the respect that he wants, but he's gonna have to fight the right people. Like this this yeah, fight against yeah, this fight against Javier wasn't it was, it was yeah, it was a normal fight that he's fought 15, 16 times already. We haven't seen anybody really give him uh what we he hasn't been tested. Yeah, we haven't haven't been tested. There's only four guys I think that can really test him, and Tank being one of them. I think obviously Tank can beat him, but it would be a good matchup. He has to go down that road. Yeah, you can pick and choose who you want to fight, but you got to go down the road if you want the true respect of the the boxing world, the 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 yeah. the OGs of boxing. You got to go down this road. Tank needs to be the next fight. I don't care if they are the face of boxing. If one lose in the credit, it doesn't matter. Another, another yeah, another guy will come and be the face of, of boxing. This fight has to happen. Spence, the Spence Jr. fight has to happen. It's it's a bunch of fights that need to happen. These top guys, they need to either go at one thirty, go down one thirty, one thirty five, or go up one forty. It's five pounds. These fights need to. So happen. many of these fights are being protected because people are like, no, like like we we, we don't want to taint them. We don't want to taint the record. <laughs> I mean, it has to happen. It has eventually. to happen. <laughs> That's only way to weed out the best boxers. Even the greatest lose mat. Well. Yeah, even the greatest lose matches. Oh yeah. So I I think the the next fight has to be tanked to solidify his 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 legacy and bo- you know in for Garcia in boxing. But if he doesn't do it and he continues to run, he said, "I quote, I'm going to video check. I'm going to video record the meeting so y'all won't act say I'm running or whatever from negotiation." So petty, man. Come so on. Petty. You said that five, six fights ago that you, you want to take next. That's like, what I'm come saying. on! Everything he says is just like there's just there's so many flaws in what he's saying because it's like, man, like like we know what you did like a few months ago. Like the evidence is, is still there, and and you weren't holding holding up your end of the bargain. You're not. But this his last fight was a routine fight. He knew he was gonna yeah. win it. The guy he wasn't as on his level. He outboxed him obviously, and then he win. We need a tank fight. We need a guy who's going to get in the trenches with you. And he, Garcia has a, a lot of flaws. He he can't block a left hook to save his life. <laughs> he can't block it. And just imagine if Tank throws that left if hook. Tank, tank was watching that like, oh, really? Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've seen like four or five of his fights, him getting demolished with a with a left hook. But it's just they didn't just have the power. Tank has that power to knock this guy out. 
and he has flaws in his games. And I think they were waiting <laughs> to tear the tape off to expose the little holes in his game. When you fight Tank, you're going to have to fix it. It's not going to be the tape job. You need some flexing feel, whatever that crap is that you see on the commercial. You're going to need all of it. You're going to need all of it against Tank. You, you have to come against Tank. Tank is the best boxer right now in in his weight class. And even, you know what I mean? So that's the that's the fight that we want to see. That's the fight that's going to solidify both these fighters as, okay, we already know Tank legit, but for Ryan Garcia, we we got to see that fight. And that is the thing, especially with Tank. Like, like we can tell that he is the best in his weight class. Like, like, like what part of of, of his uh, of the way he fights and his style like impresses you the most in terms of like what you've seen over his career? Tank, correct? Yeah, he's gritty, man. He's not he's not afraid to get in and and allow himself to get hurt to get the the big score. Like I've seen multiple times him on the ropes taking hits, and it's just that one that one punch, boom. It was two fights. His last fight was like that in round six. Uh, he did get tagged a couple times going over to the ropes, but that, that, that oof, come on now. Yeah. I like his grittiness, the, the willingness to be able to do everything you need to do to succeed. If I need to get hurt and get in danger to score the knockout or to score the punch, I'll do that. If I need to elude and finesse and be a, he's an all around boxer, is what I love about oh, Devontae yeah. Davis. We've seen a lot of guys who have one side of the games, and I'm gonna say Deontay Wilder, one side game. Like it's a, it's it's rare when you see a, a a boxer who's all around boxer. Like Floyd Mayweather had the the speed, had the defense, had the knockout power, had everything, had the showmanship. Like it's rare. And who who is his, his protege? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's Javante exactly. Davis. So. Yeah. It's only fitting that Javante Davis is an all-around full boxer who could do it all, but I love him that he's gritty enough to get into those matches and get himself in danger to get the knockout. And I think that's Definitely. what you know sets him apart. Ryan Garcia is not going to do that. He's gonna he's gonna run. Tank, if they do have the fight, Tank is going to be enforcer. I already know it. Oh yeah, for sure. He's gonna set the tempo. Yeah. He's, he's definitely set the tempo from the drum. Um, and, and now getting into to Russell Westbrook and, and his agent uh, recently parting over irreconcilable differences. Um, this past Friday was when the split with, with Thad Future happened. And in a statement to ESPN, uh, Future cited, uh, uh, quote, quote, in, in, irreconcilable differences and suggested there was you know, no longer full alignment with Westbrook about you know whether the former MVP should want to remain with the Lakers for the final season of his $47 million contract. But what are your thoughts on the split and just, you know, what it— Obviously, like usually means, you know, when a player wants to split with a longtime agent, and especially Westbrook, one who's been in the league um, for many years now. You know, at some point, there, there has to be a, a disconnection in, in, a, in parting yeah. ways. I know personally a lot of athletes who parted ways with several agents, or just, mm. just they just didn't click right. The mindset wasn't, you know, aligned in what they wanted. Um, and right. I think for for rest, Russell Westbrook to have the same agent for eons for for years since he's been in the league, something had to click to where I I, I want to say is the agent, even though he's making a lot of money at Russ. Russ probably, and I want to have this narrative, but after getting shopped around a couple teams and him realizing, you know, it's just I think you know you butt heads with with uh, realization. Russell Westbrook is at the tail end of his career. And it's kind of hard to shop him around or get him the deal that he wants. And who's going to take on his contract? There's not many people that want to do that. So you're going to butt heads with um, your agent or whoever is telling you, like, being realistic. Like, this, this is what we have. This is what we have to work with. 
I can't find anything else. If you can find somebody, another agent who can find you a better deal, you go ahead and do it. And I'm pretty sure that's how the conversation <laughs> went. So um, they parted ways. And sometimes that's not a, a bad thing. It's great. You had a tenure with each other. You did great things. You had big contract with, uh, with the, you know, Oklahoma, big contracts uh, with the Rockets, the, you know, Wizards. The list goes on. You had the big contract. And they they they've done some great work together. Now it's just you know the ten years up. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, and and, and I mean a, a, another thing that that's even been reported recently, you know, with Westbrook and the Lakers is you know over uh, uh, the, the 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 past weekend with with summer league, you know, they all um, huddled huddled up and had had a phone call like vowing to make the the, the big three work for oh, next yeah, I heard season, that like. Too. And that and that's really interesting because it's one of those things where there's been so many rumors about Kyrie coming, and now there's essentially. A, a change in terms of like the rumors and what's actually going to happen with the Lakers. Like, what are your thoughts on that and the possibility of that team trying to like make this work a second year? It's a difference when the players said, okay, we're going to see if we make this work. And then the general manager in the front office said, no, we still want no, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <laughs> we still want guy. <laughs> we still want Kyrie Irving. Don't get it twisted. But I, I love like the solidarity, solidarity and the, the relationship they have between the three. Um, yeah. you know, even, you know, I don't know if Camille Anthony is, is going to get shopped around or, or let go or not, but just for AD and LeBron and Russ, I think that's really dope because you're going to need that core. But I think the front office is still being ambitious and wanting to stride and try to get Kyrie or better options. And I think they can. I mean, though we have the, the Spurs willing to do it, but they want to, you know, unprotected first round draft pick according to several sources. But um, I think, I think it's dope. But realistically, it's all up to the front office and what the direction they want to go into. And it seems like they're eager to get Kyrie Irving. I think it would be a great pickup. Shop Russell Westbrook to the Spurs. He'll be able to, the great white snowman. He'll learn some things <laughs> <laughs> transitioning out into his career. I don't know how long he, Russell Westbrook has. And, you know, I don't I mean, want to speculate, you know, him being at the top him of Sam, yeah. him in San Antonio is a weird fit. I don't know how him in San Antonio. I think if anybody can get him to <laughs> buy is, in, it's, Pop, it's, it's, Pop. it's Popovich, yeah, and then he's sure. he's been coached by him, you know, on the Olympics and in, yeah. you know different USA teams and stuff. So I love it. Definitely. I love it, but it's up to the front office. It's it's it completely up to the front office to what to do in the direction of the team. For sure. Did, did you have any thoughts on LeBron showing up to to, to Drew League? I thought it was dope, man. That was dope. I like that. I, I thought like it was, that. I, players do that. Yeah, I thought it was dope. I think he wanted to try some things out. Um, yeah, I could, t- I could tell that. Yeah, yeah he did so. one move that it was dope. He missed it, but it was so dope. It was similar to uh, what Tracy McGrady does when his back oh, gets yeah. and dribbles it back and behind his back oh, and turns goodness. around and, and, and spark up. It was similar to that, but it wasn't that smooth. But it was, it was, it was Poe and had to do like. Tell he was testing it. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it was just like to get a fan something. I missed the playoffs. Blah blah blah. I've been working. LeBron on has some that things. itch. Yeah, yeah, he had that itch. Like I just want to play again. I just want to play. Yeah, but guess who came out the Woolworths and tried to just kill my boy Skip Bayless? Man, come on, Skip. Come on, Skip. Skip, yeah, is a hater, man. You know, Skip. Skip lives for any any critique you can make on LeBron. <laughs> Anybody who's a Dallas Cowboys, diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, I really don't listen to him. Like, bro, come on, Skip. Skip is like, Skip is to LeBron like what Joe Budden used to be to Drake. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That is a perfect, that's perfect, Wellington. 
Perfect. With a P-U-R-R-R. Perfect. That's crazy, man. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, but, but now getting into the NFL and just kind of thoughts on, you know, Baker Mayfield being traded to Carolina and just, you know, how this new fit will work. Um, you know, recently the Browns agreed to trade Mayfield to the, the Panthers on Wednesday for, uh, I mean, a, a couple couple weeks ago on Wednesday for a 2024 conditional draft pick. And, you know, the Panthers will also pay him um, $4.85 million of, of Mayfield's uh, salary. But what are your thoughts on this trade and just, you know, Baker May- Mayfield joining a team now with the team already having Sam Darnold and now there's going to be just, just a clear-cut uh, QB competition between the two. They're trying to figure it out. I think yeah. that trade, you look at last year, you look at last year, last in division, two and four, five and 12, barely made 500. Is It was a terrible season. They shopped around. They got Sam Donald, brought back Cam Newton for two games. He was good. He won. You know, it was a lot of things. A lot of people hurt. Christian McCaffrey, they've been running him through the ground since he's been drafted. He Hopefully, he's back healthy. They're trying to figure it out, and they're hoping the quarterback situation is the missing link, missing key. And But you have Sam Donald, who has not a great uh, leading uh, record, uh, as a uh, starting quarterback, you look at Baker Mayfield, not a good record as a starting quarterback. Then you draft, you you move up and draft a guy third round. I think his name is Correll. And don't even have faith in the kid. You go get another quarterback. So it's just, what are you trying to do? And they do have the weapons. Don't get me wrong. They do have the weapons. It's Christian McCaffrey is back healthy. They're good. Um, they have two guys that take it off the top. But Obviously, we know there's going to be a quarterback, um, you know, competition between the two. I don't know if Correll is going to be able to get into that. But he's throwing them three going into the training camp. But Baker Mayfield, I think, decently fits in this in this in this scheme. I think they're going to simplify the game for him again. We are both guys are similar. They take risks. They they love <laughs> forcing the football. They have they have yeah. great, they have the big arm, but they deep throw. deep throw. They love forcing the yeah. ball. They, they 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 don't make good decisions. So it's gonna be, it's <laughs> it's. Well, I don't understand. Who can make less? Who can yeah. make less bad decisions? <laughs> That's what I don't understand. Like if you looked at Baker May, and I was big on Baker Mayfield coming in into the NFL. I thought he was going to settle down and make good decisions. I I gave him a similarity to Brett Favre. Brett Favre was a big arm. Uh, pretty good accuracy, but he used to just put it in places that didn't even need to put it in a place. It just should have <laughs> stayed in your hand, buddy. So it's like you get the good and the bad, but this you have bad. Like, the pass, bad. The, the, like, like, like in that game against the Saints, where he just oh, oh my just, gosh, come on, he, 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 it's like that backbreaking throw. That's just like why, like why, why even try? Why, it? why do you even throw try? that? <laughs> what did you think when you played in your mind? I know the game is moving fast. Like why the old look? Yeah, it's moving fast. He's going to get open. Yes, five guys over there, but he, I know him. I know my guy. <laughs> I know him. We talked about it. He's going to get open. Talking about this. <laughs> There's no way he's getting open. Nah, why throw nah, it? Nah, man. Nah. But I, I mean, they do have a, I mean, you, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I mean, they have the, mm. the wide receiver weapons and a defense offensive line, but they're going to have to give Christian McCaffrey help first and foremost. And they're going to have to settle down Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, simplify the offense, just go back to the basics. We Both of these quarterbacks, highly sought out coming out of the draft, have not led up or lived up to the hype coming out of USC or coming out of Oklahoma. So they're going to have a lot of work to do. It's going to be a, a, a gritty, 
a quarterback competition, but they got to figure out who will make the less mistakes, who's going to be more clean, who's going to time management, who's going to, you know, take what the defense gives us. And I don't think either one of the quarterback has that in their arsenal to do so. Oof. Definitely. Yeah, they, they got the work cut out for them for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but now getting into early expectations for you know Trey Lance and just you know mm. how how he'll perform for San Francisco, um, you know, and with the 49ers actively looking for for trades uh, for Garoppolo and just you know bringing in the Trey Lance era now, teammate, teammates have just recently said that he's shown a lot of maturity and given his developmental mm-hmm. process, you know, just high praise and only started two games last season and and, and is now being prepared for his you know first full starting season. But what are your thoughts on you know the expectations for Trey Lance uh, uh, this year in, in his you know first year starting and just you know what he can do in that uh, 49ers offense? Ooh, you know the beauty about you know playing under Cal Shanahan, the game is simplified, and we we looked at Jimmy. We saw how good Jimmy wasn't <laughs> when he <laughs> needed to like bring the game to to the moment. Like the game, the the game plan, the playbook is simplified, but you as an individual have to bring it to the moment. We saw Jimmy fall mm-hmm. short in the Super Bowl, and Trey Lance doesn't have to do much. What I mean, he's done the biggest things right now. He showed that he's capable. He showed that he's willing to work. He's already won the uh, confidence in his, his his fellow football players and his teammates. So that's the biggest challenge right there: winning winning the job winning the confidence of your teammates and the head coaches and letting the game come to you and the playbook they have does just that. Trey Lance, I, I think he's the guy who can time management and get take what the defense gives him as well as add in that extra element of his legs because he's a mobile quarterback. I'm interested to see if they're going to add the option into it, the R, even RPO into the mix. Sometimes they do depending on what quarterback Kyle Shannon has. He even did that with uh, – Matt Ryan with in Atlanta Falcons, but Trey Lance doesn't have to do much. He doesn't have to do much. They're gonna rely on the running game. That's Cal Shanahan's. That's Mike Shanahan's dad's up. You know, uh, you know, motto. We're gonna rely heavy on yeah. the running game. We're gonna zone. We're gonna do a play action. And we're gonna open over the top, and we're gonna make the defense fear us. And mm. I think they have the weapons. You still have one of the best tight ends. He's still banged up a little oh, yeah. bit, but George Kittle. They have a great defense. I mean, not great defense, but they have a great offensive line. Trent Williams will be coming back. Big doll Trent Williams. Then Debo. Like, they have they have the weapons. They just can't mess it up. And, and yeah. this team was one, one, one way from the Super Bowl. Yes. Like, <laughs> they were right there. With Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They went to the yeah. Super Bowl with Jimmy. It's just, it's, I think that's the edge. I think if Trey Lance just walks into the role and does exactly what he needs to do, doesn't have to do much, they'll go back. They'll be in the postseason again. They have that squad. And then they just they find ways to get their players the ball. We've seen that with Debo. We see that with George Kittle before he got injured last year. Like they know Cal Shanahan. It, Everybody talk about Andy Reid. Nobody talks about Cal Shanahan enough. He finds a way to get know. the ball yeah. to his, his big-time players. So Trey Lance doesn't have to do much. He just has to walk into the role. Not run, not sprint, just walk into the role. And I think he's doing that now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, like, when you look at the division that they're in with the NFC West and obviously, mm-hmm. like, defending champs with the Rams, like, and even with what the Cardinals are doing, like, where do you think, like, they fit in that mix of, like, how tough a division that NFC West is? Yo, I think they're at number three right now. With Trey Lance, just like they ended up last year, they were two and four. I think that might change 
you know, change a little bit. But right now in that division, thinking about what Arizona has coming back, the Rams having to coming back and adding to um, Seahawks, who already know where they stand right now, losing Russell Wilson. Yeah. But I think San Francisco is right there in that division at number three. And if less Trey Lance just sets them apart from of the other quarterbacks in that from Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray, if he sets himself apart and he shows, I mean, 10 and seven last year wasn't bad. He, he started two of those games and they, I think they won both of those games. So yeah. the, the, the sky's the limit for him. I, but I do have them at number three right now. Just, just having the other two quarterbacks being seasoned, having years under their belt and being acclimated with the team. I think Trey will walk into the role, but it's going to take a minute for um, them to figure out what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into our first album review with Lloyd Banks, The Course of the Inevitable 2. Um, you know, in, in this new album and sequel, Lloyd Banks just, you know, really sounds like his old self. And, you know, for, for hip-hop heads, there's strong elements of um, you know, street-influenced lyrics, grungy vibes, and compet- competitiveness. But um, looking at this album and just the overall uh, um, feel of it, like, what were your thoughts and just um, just how you felt about it? Why? Por que? Por que why? Why? Why, Wellington? I didn't when when I saw Lloyd Banks. <sighs> first name thought I thought about the singer. I was like, when the singer changed the name to Banks, uh, <coughs> but I didn't know he even put out an album until I saw. I was like, Lloyd Banks put out an album, but I don't know. It was I never been a fan of Lloyd Banks, even with G when he was with G Unit. It's always been obviously Fifty Cent and um, yeah, Fifty. Buck, Fifty was know, always the top one. Yeah, Fifty and Book, and even the game when Game went over there it was the game. It was oh, Fifty sure. in the game, but. I never been a fan of Lloyd Banks. His his vernacular always threw me off. His cadence always threw me off. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a decent hip hop album, but it was just like I wasn't rocking with it at all. Like because I've never been a fan of Lloyd Banks. Yeah, if, if you're not a fan of somebody for a long time yeah. and you hear something that they put out new, it's just like uh, he never was the strongest one of the of G. And so true. like yeah. it wasn't like mm, okay, even when he got on the uh the remix because you know bust around touch it bang it babe mm-hmm. like that verse trash like that <laughs> yeah, was such trash. Like, it was trash bro like I've never been like Lloyd <laughs> Banks was a verse. lyricist well I'll give him lyricist but never had like yeah, the bars sure. or you know had the to, to stand out on a on a verse or a just song. never had that hit making ability. No, never really mm-hmm. had that, that 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 just like man, it just stands the test of time or just it catches it catches your attention. Yeah, he's he just he's a sixth man for sure. Not even a sixth man. He's the eighth man, twelfth <laughs> man. He's not even Lou Will. He's not, <laughs> <laughs> he's not even sixth man like Lou. No, Will. <laughs> he's not even sixth man. Six minutes contributes <laughs> like kids like if yeah if I oh, had to man. bring a group together and like it was old school rappers he would not even I would bring Zibit back before I bring Lloyd Banks oh for sure but for sure. yeah I just wasn't feeling this album like soon as I turned it off I was like yeah Wellington I'm about to give him the business <laughs> that was crazy nah this makes up for last week I only there was one album uh, album you disliked oh no everything <laughs> in, was smashed yeah, everything, everything was everything, smash. yeah. Everything is smash, smash, yeah. Um, and, and 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 I mean, like, like, like that is that is the thing because, like, you can tell, like, when when an artist, like, like when you look at what he's done in his career, like the years of of kind of being in the shadow of other artists, like, do you mm-hmm. think that's like one of the main things that kind of like possibly held him back, or just he just didn't have that like separating ability to just really like like stand on his own and have the spotlight on him? You answered it right there. I think he was good enough to be in the con- not in the conversation, be in the room, but not in a conversation. 
Like you like even from like New York or like Brooklyn or whatever, like he's not he's not not even a top twenty. There's there's guys we probably haven't even heard of that's extremely better than Lloyd Banks. Like he's good enough to be like on a track or in the room. Like, oh yeah, Lloyd, you wanna hop on a song? Yeah, I'll talk with I don't know his voice, whatever. But <laughs> I couldn't mimic his voice. But like he's good enough to be in the room, but not in a conversation. I think he didn't. He he doesn't have anything that sets him apart. Not not melodies, not bars. Anybody can be a lyricist and tell a story or whatever in yeah. a way. But like, what stands you out is like how you say things. Yeah. The full package, like this. Yeah. There's a few artists that have just like that full array. Yeah. Of like I'm, I can make anything. Look at Fifty. Fifty didn't have like incredible yeah. bars, but his melodies, his how he said things, his vernacular, his cadence. It was different. Like it was. It was different. You know what I mean? Like it's. You could tell the difference between the two. Like he's good enough to be in the room, but he's not good enough to be in the conversation. Like he's like you know the footnote, to, and that sounds so terrible, but like he nothing sets him apart. He, even Drake said that, and it, like uh, a few years ago, like he looked up to guys like Ja Rule and Fifty because they were able to put to, not just like songs, yes. but like actual melodies, yes. and like really like separate themselves. Yes, that's the difference. Like what's if you're not coming with crazy bars like Nas or like um, even Biggie. Biggie had bars too, but Biggie and not what Biggie would did with his like his melodies too. So Ja Rule was the best bar guy, but he made songs that was catchy. He made melodies that was catchy and his raspy of his voice. Jadakiss. Jadakiss has uh, melodies. He has bars. Jadakiss is so nice. And it's the voice. Is his voice yeah. what makes you like remember? Like every time I hear a Jada Kiss song, I'm from New York. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but definitely. Yeah, Lloyd Banks don't have that. He just got, nice. yeah, just lyrics. Sorry, brother. <laughs> <laughs> just lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 now getting into to DJ Premier's Hip Hop Fifty Volume One EP review. Um, you know, in this in this new five track EP, you know, that features guests like Nas from the Jewels Rhapsody and Remy. Um. Uh, this project was, you know, incredibly curated and it just, you know, was exceptionally produced. But uh, looking at this EP, like, like, what were your thoughts on all these features and just, you know, how it was put together? I thought it was dope. I, I've, it was obviously the epitome of hip hop, especially when you, uh, you got Joey Batty started mm-hmm. off. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Joey. Big fan. Got an album coming out this Friday. Yes, can't. Oh wait, his last Westcon was dope too. Like people like he's going more to the spiritual side, but Joe, don't get it twisted. Joey got bars and he's lyricist oh, yeah. too. Like, like America's Mo. Ooh man, hey, I still bought that to this day. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I still bought this to this day. But no, um, his features was crazy. I mean, obviously DJ Premier is gonna bring out the best. Nas. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw Nas, I was like, okay. B breaks ridiculous song. Remy Ma, her verse was nice. Um, Schlick, bruh, Schlick. At Wayne. Where he had, he had Schlick Rick on the track. Mm-hmm. Schlick Rick been retired since I've been bored. <laughs> <laughs> How you get Schlick Rick out of retirement, <laughs> man? That's crazy. But nah, this was, this was solid though. I mean, the beats were, I had to get into the beats at first because even a Nas song, like the beat was, kind of different and I'm not used to hearing Nas on that type of beat but then you just like let it let it take you in like he float on it yeah he, it was nice though he all yeah. these artists made the beats I think these beats were like scraps exactly they made they made the beats yeah 
And I think these were like scraps, and they just like, okay, we're gonna try to figure out how to do something to it. Even the even the first track, uh, um, I think it was letting off steam. Like I could tell Joey was he probably listened to it probably three or four times. And he was like, okay, I'm gonna figure out how to do this. Cause I've been there before. Like somebody sent me a beat they want me to use. I'm like, I don't know about this. Okay, I'm gonna have to really get into the repertoire to see if I could come up with something. And I think that's what happened. Like it's just you could tell. Because, yeah, you can just tell the difference between when Joey is on his own project, his own music, even Remy Ma, even, you know, Nas. Like, you can tell the difference. So they try to fit themselves into this beat, which which is work. I thought it was solid. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into the Steve Lacey's uh, Gemini Writes uh, album in his second solo album, you know, the guitar singer and songwriter. I kind of, you know, make songs on here that are, that are laced, laced with Nas, because 70s pop, funk, and soul. And, you know, even in terms of how, you know, Steve, Steve Lacey focuses on placing, you know, intoxicating elements to his music and sound, uh, what were some of your initial thoughts on it? And just, you know, this is, he does have that throwback feel to a lot of his music, but just kind of like, what were some of your takeaways? Oh, uh, okay. Um, I don't even know how I felt about this one, Wellington. This was uh, definitely different. I would say that. It was nothing I've heard before. That's the, take the takeaway from it. It was nothing I heard before. Um, but I don't think I like this one. I don't. You weren't a fan? No, nah, I don't think I was. It was more so like it was. Yeah, I'm not. I don't listen to this type of music often. Mm. That's why I didn't like Drake's album, and I'm glad we haven't reviewed. Well, y'all did review we, we the album, but yeah. I didn't. I wasn't there. But I did not like that album either. So yeah, this was. I mean, no, this was different. Like Mercury, it just had like I was in Little Havana. Back in the you know the thirties, I'm at the I, I love that feel. I love, see, I just I just like different. I like different. Like whenever because I listen to most of the music is hip hop and R&B. Whenever it's, there's different, that's why I was such a big fan of of even Drake's album because it just it felt like he was trying something that was completely you was just a, like oh I, I was a big fan of that. Big fan of that album. Oh my god, I was a big fan of that. <laughs> Honestly, might even like that more than CLB. Honestly, might what? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> I would have went crazy. Not because saying it was better than CLB. I'm just saying, like we even said, even when we had Maurice on, he he used the same formula that he always has with CLB. This was something that I just feel as though like he's never like when an artist gets out of their comfort zone and tries something that's just completely out of their realm. Even though like I know a lot of people, it wasn't their preferred <laughs> taste of what he does, but he's still gonna go back to his core sound. Like in the end of the last song, Jimmy Cooks, like he's still telling you like I tried something different, but I'm still gonna stick with my core sound for the future. And I think like that's what that album was. Like he was. Literally trying something that that would only work for the summertime, and that's what that's what he did. That's what he put out. He's he's a <laughs> market. He's a market. You know what I mean? He's yeah, a market genius. He's a market genius. Yeah. But he could have market that and put it in his pocket, and then the guy gave me something else. I don't even. I, understand. Knew, I knew you didn't like. <laughs> I did. Look, the first song, I was like, bro, like, oh my gosh, like your voice don't go to none of these tracks. Who wrote this for you? <laughs> Who wrote this? It, it did not go. We're not even talking about this album. We're talking about oh, we're not even talking Jim about and I right. Steve Lacey. Steve Lacey. You weren't a fan. You were not a fan. I was <laughs> not a fan. I, I didn't. I didn't particularly like this one. Maybe I need to give it another listen, but I wasn't particularly. Well, what was your favorite? It seems like you really loved this album. Not really loved. That was you know ambitious of me. <laughs> He's but, saying I'm the biggest Steve Lacey fan. Nah, <laughs> like. And I'm gonna tell you the one, the one of my main one, especially with, with Fouché, Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Like I feel as I feel as though like when he he added he like he added on an artist that just really like was able to float on that track. Like even Helmet, Mercury, Bad Habit, um, the, the uh, 
the 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 last one would give you the world. I just feel as though like I I like music that can kind of take you to like a, a a serene like different different feel like different vibe. Like I feel as though like that's what this album like encapsulated. He's it had a very retro feel to it with like the seventies funk and soul, but. Maybe maybe we just have different mu- music because like I know most of the time we're on the same page. But this one I was just like this. This just felt different. It, it just felt really different. And sometimes I feel as though we can like different music than other times. It's just not for us, and you know we'd rather stick to what we usually know. Oh, for sure. Like this one, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. This is not something I would like save. Would go to like yeah, saving my library and be like okay. Cause yeah, it, it takes a lot for me to save a it song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be able to like get into it. Like I mean, it's not bad. It's not like it's not my genre of music. Like I don't even know what to put this into. Like, is it like they said it's R and B and soul, but they said it's really R and B and soul, R&B but I don't soul? even know if it's really R and B and soul. Like that's a that's a different genre. Is it contemporary? I mean, like it sounds close to that. It's 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 more contemporary. Yeah, I would say it's more contemporary. Because R and B and soul, like I think some other R and B artists say, I don't make music. <laughs> yeah, like when I saw R and B and soul, I, I mean, <laughs> no ribs and he said ribs and ribs barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> ribs and barbecue. Uh, oh my god! Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a different. Even like the cover art threw me off. Like the cover art was very different. Yeah, for sure. They redded him up a little bit, right? Rudolph the red nose ring. Was that more extreme than the weekends? Uh, uh, uh after hours. Uh, cover art where he had like the blood on his face. Oh, it was up there. That was just the weirdest thing. Like, why? I mean, but his whole whole ambiance is like yeah, his whole ambiance fits that. Yeah, so yeah. it was like yeah, that's that's the weekend. That's another other artist I never got into either. Like the weekend, I'm not like I don't listen to his mm-hmm. music. He's another. You, you were you were not feeling down at him at all. No, down mm-hmm. at him at all. Me and Maurice were mm-hmm. loving that. You were like, man, what are y'all talking about? No, I do. I can't get into the weekend, man. It's I don't know why I can't. And it's like, I love. Do you like his older music? Do you like his older music? Better? I love the music he helped with Drake. Uh, become yeah, really good. Crew love. Crew love. Um, uh, on the the ride. Oh yes, yeah. those who's uh. Oh, like those to like, I like that because Drake. He was is even on, on the it. good ones. The good ones go interlude. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. He was. So it's just like it was a contrast because Drake kind of like balanced out the mm-hmm. his his yeah. It just it was just it was a nice balance. You think they're ever contrast. gonna collab again, Drake and Weekend? No, I mean I, at this point they just on. I think on a point to where they just want to be cordial. Different. Yeah, cordial because yeah. they just got back cool and you know. Whatever. I wouldn't want to collab. There's nothing they need to collab on anymore. There's nothing they need to collab on. They solidified something. Both of their careers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So no need to. Um, And now getting into our last review with with Ombre's uh, 3000 Degrees um, EP. In this new EP, that was, you know, a title inspired by the rap uh, phenom Juvenile is um, 400 Degrees album. It exhibits a a laid back flow on melodic highlights and just, and and this year she's also done songwriting for Kalani's Blue Water Road and uh, Raven Lene's Hypnos. But, what elements of this EP kind of, you know, stood out to you the most and what she was able to put together? Um, just had to play that song again. Okay. Um, I'm, this just was a interesting one because it, it had different elements. You could, yeah, you could tell she wrote for Kalani for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, that, that didn't, when I saw that, that, that didn't surprise me. Yeah. That's, that's probably my favorite one. I'm, I'm Baby with, uh, I think, uh, Jack, Jack James. Mm-hmm. I thought it had R&B in it. I thought it had contemporary in it. I thought it had like different side. Like it was it was like a good combination of genres. 
because she gave the commercial side. It sounded like it was the indie side, and they're like she's an indie artist, which we know she's not an indie artist. Um, but I thought this was this was this was a solid. What do I call this a, a EP? I mean, well, album was not eight songs, but EP can be eight songs. I'll just say yeah, project. Album. Is the yeah, album? Yeah, it's labeled. It's labeled as album, but I don't know. It might be. Yeah, I thought this was nice. I think her voice. Yeah. I think. Hmm. I think she's a better writer than she is singer. Mm, okay. But I think her music is dope. But I I see why Kalani yeah, grabbed her you pen. Can feel that. Yeah. And I, she's probably wrote for a million, a thousand other artists that we don't know about or collab with that never seen the light of day. But I can see what her pen is nice. Her, her, her stories within the, this album or project, what do you want to call it? I think is dope. And then the three thousand degrees, you you understand why she called it three thousand degrees after you the last song, Jay's Reprise. Like. That's why I say her writing is top notch. Like I, I see why she's probably been in some writing camps for artists and gave them some something, some gold. And Kalani was one of them, the known yeah. one. But yeah, I thought it was dope. Um, I'm Baby was a nice one. <sighs> Superstitious grew on me. Um, uh, Wildlife was dope. Three P was straight. It was a straight uh, intro song. Um. But all around, I thought it was. I thought this was very solid. Thought it was solid. But I, I like her pen more than I like her 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 singing. That's that, that's really interesting. When you have an artist that like like what does that tell you about an artist when sometimes like the the pen game is maybe like stronger than what they're actually when you actually hear them. Like like, like does it does that tell you that they're more kind of influenced by what they write than actually what they, what they put out sometimes? Yeah, I I, I think so because like. <laughs> For example, and I'll do I'll do com- comedy too. There's there's a lot of people that are funny, right? But they're yeah. better as comedic writers for somebody else. Somebody else bring it to life. Cuz there's a difference writing something like a poetry. It's re- it's it's a lot of people who write their own music like okay, um what's your name? Nick Cannon's ex-wife. Oh, Jesus. She had a she was a star before she met him. Um Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. Carey. Nick Cannon said, Mariah, most of her songs are from things she wrote, like in her diary or something, and she brought it to life. Not all artists can do that. Like Pink, Pink, uh, what's his name? Pink. Pink Sweat. He was a ghostwriter for years before he finally was like, okay, I'm going to do this myself. Some people are just better as writers and letting another person bring that to life for them. So it's it just depends or if you have the confidence that you could bring your own story to life, or you have the confidence in somebody else to share that with them and they bring it to life for you. That's comedic. That's uh, like artists, rappers, whatever the case may be. That's even chefs, you know, you know, yes. cookbooks and yeah. stuff like that. So it's just like, it's all about a collaboration, as Rick would say, but I think it's more so an individual uh, mindset. Like, I know I can't sing this like I know it needs to be sung. So I'm going to either shop it to somebody or just keep it to myself. But most people who are great artists, they'll they'll give it to somebody else. I know a lot of songs, like even Drake's Fall For Your Type, he gave that to Jamie Foxx, sold it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. And Jamie Foxx sung it better than he ever could. You know what I mean? So it's just like yeah. <laughs> bringing it to fruition, but he still had well, a credible, an incredible rap verse, a verse on there. So 
It just it just depends on the individual. Oh, yeah. Ball for your type. You yeah. take me back. Ball for your, that take me back. Yeah, man. I remember when it was on his mixtape. It was just like a demo yeah. type thing. And I was like, oh, this is nice. And then yeah. Jamie Foxx sung it and he just brung it over the top. So for sure, definitely. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Thor Love and Thunder review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Thor Love and Thunder review. And um, we're joined by a special guest once again, Trent Morales, a good a good friend of the show and has been on countless times in the past. And thanks so much for being back on, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always good to hang out with you and say that, brother. Yeah, man, definitely. And to start with the overview, uh, Thor Love and Thunder is a sequel to Thor Ragnar- Ragnarok in the 29th film in the MCU. Um, the film is directed by uh, Tamika Waidi, who co-wrote the script with Jennifer Caitlin Robinson and stars Chris Hemsworth as uh, Thor alongside Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Jamie Alexander, Russell Crowe, Natalie Portman. And in the film, Thor attempts to find inner peace but must return to action and recruit Valkyrie, Korg, and Jane Foster, who is now the mighty Thor, to stop Gore, um, the god butcher, from eliminating all gods. It had a budget of $250 million and brought in $505.2 million in the box office. Um, but to, shoot, but to, to you, Trent, like to start it off, just like, what were some of your initial thoughts on this film and just kind of like how you felt the first time you saw it? Man. Um, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Appreciate that. It's just like, doing. <laughs> um, I think that actually probably sums up this, like, this film. It's just a loud gong. Ah, like, perfect. I mean, but, I mean, like, literally, it's a, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I went into this film with some expectations that were probably not realistic. Like, I, I went into this thinking that Guardians would have a big role in the film with Thor. That was not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I went into this you know, kind of expecting, um, you know, that we would see, you know, Thor and, and definitely kind of like with, you know, this director coming back, definitely going to be like a little funny. But man, I just didn't expect it to be so silly. Like, yes. I mean, my wife, my wife and I looked at each other in the movie, like kind of in the middle of the movie, we were like, what is going on here? Like <laughs> I, I, at, the, at the point when um, um, the actress shows up, uh, the, the loud, abrasive actress, I'm trying to think about her name right now, um, who, who was like, like when it, they, were doing, they were doing the whole retelling of Thor uh, with Loki, with Matt Damon playing Loki and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I, her, her name is like escaping me right now. Melissa something? Anyway, anyway, like when she shows up, I'm like, I look at my wife, I said, Melissa McCarthy? Yes, that's it. Oh, yeah. yes, Melissa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, like when, she, when she shows up, I'm like, what is going on? I literally said out loud, what is going on here? Um, you know, it just it just really felt so silly at points, and, and I think it really kind of took away from from the the story itself. And what it, I think what it, what it may have shown was that they had to kind of buffer the story with quote unquote comedy. And what what made Ragnarok kind of special and unique, I think, really hurt this film. And um, it's unfortunate. I think because you, I think, I think it's a great cast. Out of the entire movie, Christian Bale slayed that role. Um, and, but, but I mean, I think it, it's just a, it's just a representation that Christian Bale is one of the premier actors of our generation, and that any role he kind of gets slotted in, you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be really well done. And um, but unfortunately, I think this movie is a is a pass for me. Um, don't really give it. I don't. I don't know if I'll ever rewatch it unless I'm like going through the MCU. And I was kind of like, just put it on and maybe like vacuum the house while it's on. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but otherwise, uh, I'm not, 
yeah, I, I have no desire to rewatch this movie right now. Yeah, definitely. To, to, to you, Savon, what were some of your initial thoughts on it and just uh, your, your takeaways? I thought this was a parody. Like, we, we, yeah, like similar to what Trina was like. I was like, Savon, I literally had dinner with somebody last night and they said, this movie is a parody of a Marvel film. Yes. Yeah. That, they made it. You know, what I, what I loved about Marvel films, and I think Avengers was the first film that added the humor to it, but it wasn't like cheesy, overdrawn humor. This yeah. film was cheesy, overdrawn humor. It's just too much. It like Trent said, it took yeah. away from the storyline. Christian Bell, his character was incredible. Um, and I think it had his his great moments, but it just was trying to be too funny. Like it was trying to be too improv. And that mm-hmm. was that. That was the first thing. Like even when it came on, I was like, "Okay, it's about to get serious." And I thought the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm a huge fan of, Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought they were gonna have a bigger role, like Trent said, in this movie. But they just mm-hmm. gave us like a little peppermint or like a little, you know, Hershey's kiss. Was like, "Okay, we'll wait till Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three comes out." But no, we wanted these with them, so show some more stuff. But yeah, I thought it was, definitely was a parody. And I was like, yeah, I'm not a fan of this. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we were almost kind of victim of the trailer, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you watch the trailer, and it's like, oh, man, the Guardians are going to be all up in this thing. Nope. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes, and they're out of here. <laughs> I mean, it's mm-hmm. like... It was a quick run-through. It was a quick yeah, run-through for them. Exactly, right? So, I mean, yeah, I mean... I, well, if you go ahead. Like, I, don't want to, I don't want to take away from your thoughts. So go ahead, brother. No, but, but but I mean, like even when you look at at the at the content that 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 they're they're putting out, especially like when you look at recent shows, like um, obviously even from last year with with what the momentum that Loki and and, and WandaVision had, and mm-hmm. how it almost feels like the shows are they're they're putting more effort in, in that content than the actual movies. Like like, but to you, Trent, like when you look at, at at just what's happening with Marvel and just like the 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 run they've been on recently, what are your thoughts on that? And just even like how it feels as though the shows are given kind of like more effort than the actual like movies that are put out on the big screen yeah i mean like, okay like you know for instance I, I i personally have not finished it all the way through but like you know watched a couple episodes of miss marvel it's like okay this this works right like this works for what you're trying to do here like i mean obviously this is definitely geared towards like a younger audience than what i yeah. am but it works it's like okay it's not trying to be anything kind of beyond itself right and yeah. but but I, I think I do agree. I feel like some of these movies are kind of just like mailing it in. It's like, um, and it kind of will be. So you, know, you go back to like our review of Doctor Strange. Like okay, it's like okay. I think Doctor Strange is a great. It brings great closure to WandaVision, right? That it, it brings that story to a good close, and the movie was enjoyable. This just again, where are we going? You know, like, I mean, I don't feel like we were this kind of like lost or like wondering what was going to happen by the time Avengers came out, right? I feel like we get, we definitely kind of had an idea about, okay, you know, there's a big bad guy out there. We're going to be fighting this guy, doing this, doing that. Whereas right now, it's like, okay, we're just like throwing stuff on the wall and, and maybe, maybe it'll stick and maybe it'll work itself out. You know, I, I mean, I, listen. Marvel spent 15 years telling the first, like the first story, right? And they they ended it with like with a loud bang. It was amazing. They've absolutely earned our trust. But at this point, it's like, okay, guys, I I, I want to be on this ride, but you've got to keep me on this ride. And I just want you to tell better stories. 
I bring more depth to these characters, bring better writing to the table, and let's just let's just tell some good stories, right? Um, and you know, and honestly, I'll just say this: I think Thor, as far as movies go, is the weakest of all the Avengers. Like as far as movies go, not not overall power, not comic book story or that, but like Thor, the first one, eh, it's fine. Dark World, hard pass. Ragnarok, top tier. This one, again, hard pass. Like, okay, I think it's no, time to probably shelve. For sure, I think it's, it's probably time to shelve Thor for a little while, and just like and, and focus on some other things. Hit Fantastic Four, X Men. Definitely. Um, and, and for you, Savon, like, what what would you want to see, like, like in terms of like them adding more depth to the stories and just like what they can put out for for future movies? Like, what would you want to see from 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 future Marvel movies compared to what we've gotten in the last two? Hmm, that's a good question. I would like to see a more in depth Fantastic Four with a a better maybe with John Krasinski as Reed Richards because we've already low key seen it. Maybe a Fantastic Four. Mm. I think that's it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think all the other movies were, were, were dope, man. I think Trent just hit on something. I think they try. I think they looked at the success of Thor Ragnarok and they saw why it was successful and tried to mimic that and put a new storyline on it instead of mm. like being it authentic to this new movie, not bringing what we did from Thor Ragnarok to Love and Thunder, and they just swung in a miss. I do think they tried to bring, like, the... See, I'm not a big comic guy. Like, the the, the sword that he has, that he had in mm-hmm. Infinity, and then the Westcom, them giving them the personification. Like, what are you talking about? And it just comes out of nowhere. Those moments were dope. Those were funny because they gave the... Whatever thing, whatever the name is, <laughs> they gave it personification. They gave it life. They gave it a personality. So it was just like, you know, cheating on you were trying to get, and it, it kind of tied <laughs> it to them with Jane and whatever, whatever. But I do think they tried, but they just overdid it. But I do want to see a new Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I want to see uh, what it is, Smart Hulk. I want to see that. Not She Hulk? Not She Hulk. No, 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 no. With. Hulk being like he was in um was it in game like he was in in game oh. well we're, 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 we're gonna get that in She Hulk but I want like a standalone movie gotcha gotcha like Fair. how he did it for I want to see how he did it not him telling us how he did it. like just I want like because Hulk is one of my favorite characters I think mm-hmm. Thor is is a lot of people's favorite character. I think that's why they kind of gave him the lead with everything besides mm-hmm. Iron Man because you can't go Iron Man route. And then I want to have a, instead of a series, get Anthony Mackie a full movie of being Captain America. Give him a full one. Let's see. Yeah. We're, we're throwing out everything else. Like was it was um, Eternals was trash. Uh, <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> what was the the Asian one that's so terrible? Um, Shanghai. That wasn't, bro. That wasn't. Come on, man. No, 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 no. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one. Oh my goodness. I mean, okay. Give me a daredevil. Give me a daredevil. Which is coming. I don't know if y'all saw, but they it's coming. Yeah, they they actually just re-signed. The actor who plays Foggy, they re-signed him to come back. So it's like, okay, all right, again, let's just move the pieces. Let's bring back some things that are working, right? 
again, and, and, and to Willis's point, if it's TV, run for it, guys. Like, again, yeah. you, you've, you've earned enough credit that we, can, we will tune in no matter what, right? <laughs> like, and then, of course, if it's trash, like, we'll turn it off. We'll just keep it moving, right? We'll, we'll, we'll find some clip notes somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, like, if, if it's working, let's just bring it in. Definitely. Uh, we're guys. We're about to get to one of the lowest ratings. We've ever <laughs> <laughs> I got. I got to see who's going to get the lowest transition, man. <laughs> what four stars? What would you give it, Trin? What, what, what would be your rating? I got it at two. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm. I'm going. I'm going two and a half, and that half is, is attributed to Christian Bale. Mm. Which was the only highlight of the movie. Yeah, it's the only overall truly, of the movie. <laughs> truly. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, obviously, there were things about it that obviously that, that kind of brought us in that we we always enjoy about Marvel and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, just even like, like bro, like Thor is so weak mentally. I'm like, bro, you need to like slap it. Like, you go 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 to therapy or something, right? Like, be able to work this stuff out because he's like you being all snappy, just annoying. <laughs> it's just annoying. So, but yeah, so it's it, two, two and a half. It, it's definitely going to be like the first like review that I've been on with you guys. Where I think we're all in unison, like you know, like where me and Will say, "Oh, this movie's awesome." Will and say, "I'm like, and this movie's trash, right?" Or like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for, for you, Savon, what would be your overall? I'll give it a two. I'll give it a two because it had it had decent moments, like when um. And I probably we'll probably get to scenes like the scenes with um with Jane picking up the and having and showing the different sides of what the hammer could do broken. I mean the ending with the kids helping defeat uh you know Gore like it had his it had his moments you know it had his it had a decent moments so I won't give it a one but I definitely give it a straight two stars two star recruit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very. I, I mean, I, I would go with that rating too, because I mean, this it just it lacked the narrative consistency of, of, of the last Thor movies, and it just you know really had a limited amount of character growth as it just didn't feel as original in terms of previous mm-hmm. films. But um, now getting to favorite character, the, the only character I think we can is <laughs> uh, a the default. I mean, or the god <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, but he's just to me like really a character who left his mark on the story, and this yeah. was just you know. A sympathetic, sympathetic villain who really showed that his character was driven by the love, you know, he had for a child rather than, than vengeance with his, you know, um, departure mm-hmm. signifying his humanity. But to, to you, Trent, like, who, like in terms of what Gore showed in this film, like what stood out to you the most uh, of what he did? Yeah, I mean, just I mean, from, from the from the onset of the movie, right? It's like, okay, okay, well, we, we are jumping right into his story, and I mean, he he, he kind of is the story of the film, right? And that you know, he is trying to trying to find redemption. Um, he's trying to right some wrongs that have been done to him and to his family. Um, he, uh, he, he kind of felt it like whenever, like, you know, he, he comes to this, you know, tropical paradise and the quote-unquote God that he's been serving this entire time just, like, basically disregards him. He just kind of felt for him right there, right? And, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I know this is, this, is, this is cheating a little bit, but, like, one of my favorite scenes in the film was like the the scene when all the children from Asgard are in the cage, and he just kind of appears and like kind of crawls out of the shadow. I'm like, bro, you are wicked right now, man. So yeah, it, it, I think it's just it's just it's, again, it's just taking me through 
to Christian Bale. I mean, any role he's kind of put his hands on and has really kind of thrust himself into has really done well. And, um, and yeah, I think it, it's great to kind of see him on the other side too, right? You know, where it's like, you know, obviously the biggest moments for us, the three of us on this podcast, is going to be, you know, him as Batman. So to kind of see him away from that heroic role um, and, and see him kind of got plunge his hands into like evil was really enticing to me. And um, yeah, as you said, well, the, the, the best thing about me, like Thor, Thor was a shadow in his own movie. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the shadow was cast by, uh, by Gore the God Butcher. I don't think we ever expected to say that. To you, Savon, like looking at, at, at Gore's performance and what he did, like, like what impressed you the most about what he was able to put together and especially what Christian Bill did? I think he, you know what? Christian, I think the Gore's character was, was really dope. I think this ability to change so quickly. So the beginning yeah. of it when his daughter died and then him meeting the guy and then him switching and just, like, I don't know. It's just like finding the trueness of what they, I, I, I felt, I, be, I felt him believe what he believed. Like, you know, the, the guys are these, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then they're total crap. And then you worship this, whatever. And then you get into the moment and they don't even save you. Don't do anything. You know what? I'm going to kill y'all. Like, I think I yeah. think you should die. Yeah. I think you did. I think you should die. But I thought him going through every emotion, even at the end, and then um, I I, I want to say that was his daughter bringing back to life, and Thor was her caregiver or something like that, right? Is that right? Yeah, I I, I believe that that was like kind of like wow, how, how how the the how it played. Yeah, because I don't remember the ending. That's how bad it was. I think that's what happened, guys. <laughs> I think that's what happened. <laughs> I think his daughter came back to life or something happened at the end. And then uh, Thor, because they were going at it and they, yeah, he looked after. We have never had to guess on a review about a movie. <laughs> it was that bad, bro. I really put it out of my head. But I will say this, yeah. outside of Gore, I do think I like Korg. And I, I hate Korg, you know, God did what he, you know. <laughs> I like Korg, even in Ragnarok. I think he... He made, <laughs> he brings a different humorous element to it. A necessary humorous he, element. He went from bad, bad bod to bad bod. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like necessary funny, but all the other antidotes yeah. in and out, it was just too it. much. But Korg, I thought that character, it was like he was, he was the comedic uh, lifeline, especially in, in Ragnarok. But this one, and you know how they did my boy, you know what I'm talking about? Zeus ain't had to do that to him. You say I do it. <laughs> he was just standing there trying to fight with his boy Thor, and he got turned into a helmet. And she tied his hand. That got me. That really got me. I was like, "This is a parody. This got to be a parody." How you going to tie his head into the back of your head and just like fly off? Like, come on now, come on. Hey, in reference to that scene, like, can y'all believe at one point in time Russell Crowe was the gladiator? <laughs> like, like I saw that dude. I said, "Bro, bro, what he happened to Russell?" Out of the bed, like, do I have to get in shape first and foremost to YTT? Do I have to. Do I have to get in shape? I have to get in shape. It'll Whoa. be funnier. Cool. I'm gonna eat all the fig Newtons I can find. That's what he did. <laughs> all the fig Newtons, like, buddy, like he yeah. used to be ripped. Like, yeah, and that quote at the end of the movie when he's talking about like you know. The God just to be respected. It's like, yeah, they were respected when they were 
chiseled. Not like <laughs> not you, chiseled. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen. I'm not a, I'm not a small guy by any means, but come on, man. That means it. Like you know, I, I I I was in Rome two weeks ago, right? And I'm looking at all these statues of like all these like Roman emperors and all these people. I was like, man, they really thought well of themselves and how they kind of <laughs> chiseled themselves, right? Russell Crowe, not not today. Uh-oh. He's like, I'm just showing up, collecting a paycheck, and going home. Exactly. In my contract, it says I don't have to get in shape, so that's the perfect. That's perfect for me. And, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, the attack on on New Asgard. Jane mm-hmm. returns. Oh, um, yeah, the Godfather is born. I'm also showdown in the Shadow Realm. Gore's wish, and then finally uh, Jane's death. Uh, uh, but to you, Trent, like like what scene or or a couple scenes in particular stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think like the, the the battle on the new Asgard, like it had the potential to be really strong, but then but then, again, it just like it kind of got wrecked by Thor being it's so out. weird. Yeah, like it's like I mean, listen, like okay, listen, I know it's Jay, I know you're kind of shocked right now. But how about let's just let's just get this fight over with, and then we'll talk afterwards, right? So, uh, but I mean, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, the, the final battle, like I, I do really like the scene when like Thor like empowered all the kids to fight. That was yes, super cool. That was dope. Like it's like yeah, know. yeah. It's like, it's like okay, like, let's get these guys ready to roll. But I was like, man, it's like I'm like Thor, you got kind of punched around a couple of times by this guy. What you about to do here? It's like, oh, you gonna like create a whole army right here? Okay, that works for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, those two particular stayed out for me um, as far as, like, you know, like, you know, action, what kind of mistake, and all that stuff. Absolutely. Do uh, you say, like what were some of the memorable uh, scenes in this film? Definitely when the, the kids uh, start helping fighting, and that was a dope one. Um, outside the ones you already mentioned, I think the one where he was trying to get Majorner, whatever the name of the hammer back, and then the other one came floating. I thought that was funny. I thought that was like good, genuinely funny. He was like, "Oh, hey, hey, you." <laughs> I thought that was cool. But um, yeah, yeah, them probably the other two outside the ones you mentioned. Uh, I, no, I do like him. Well, the oh, not the opening scene, but one of the opening scenes where Gore killed the the god or whatever, and the sword just came out of nowhere. I thought that was a dope scene. Him just feeling mm-hmm. and getting enlightened of what's really going on. I thought it was really dope. Definitely. Um, and now getting to most memorable quotes I had, it doesn't feel like a curse. It feels like a promise from Gore. Um, also, I want to choose my own path um, uh, from Thor. Suffering for your gods is your only purpose from Gore. Then um, also the only ones who gods, who, who gods care about is themselves from, from, uh, from Gore to close it out. Uh, to you, Trent, like, what were some of the memorable quotes that, that kind of like were the standouts to you in this film? Uh, I'm probably gonna go with the one line that was you know, that still kind of made me chuckle, even though I knew it was in the trailer. But uh, it's uh, you know, Peter Quill. It's like, remember what I told you: if you ever feel lost, just look into the eyes of the people that you love, and you see like Thor just kind of like slowly come to the screen. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like 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 that. That was funny, right? I mean, but I, I think, but but it, you know, it almost kind of shows you kind of the growth of the Peter Quill, right? Of like you know he's. You know, when we first see him in Guardians, he doesn't really have any purpose or anything like that. But it's like now he kind of has like a people he belongs to. And he's like looking to lead them. Uh, whereas like Thor is like, yeah, like he's he's all about, you know, you know, meditation and like you know, growing going on from his superhero life and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, you know, or d- destroying like <laughs> the the uh when he when he goes to give his speech after he like destroys the temple, he's like, We fought well today, y'all. Good job. 
And it's like, man, like, dude, you, you're so, you're so stupid right now. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, guys, when it comes to like quotes, like, not, like there wasn't really much to kind of pull from, right? Um, yeah, I mean, all the kind of quotes, were like, just like, you know, slapstick you know, humor, um, that did, that did, that had no slap whatsoever or stick. Uh, to, to, to you, Savon, like, were there were there any quotes or or, or any ones that kind of stood out to you, or are you kind of like trending where there just really weren't ones that that um were, were highlighted? Besides the ones you already mentioned, because Wellington always picks the great ones, and Trin, you had some good ones too. I'll say <laughs> I'll get the one from Zeus. If you don't shut up, <laughs> you won't be invited to the orgy. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's why I laughed. I'm sorry, because I was reading the quotes or whatever. I was like, I don't remember him saying that, but that's funny. <laughs> uh, but then him talking to his uh his son, talking to Hercules, saying that uh when did the when did it become a joke? And no more they will fear us again when Thor on his son falls from the sky, stuff like that. And yeah, I thought that was a memorable because he tried to kill him, but he killed Korg. Well, he didn't kill Gorg, he just disabled Gorg. Maybe <laughs> right. he on disability now. He getting the check. Yes, indeed. And, and, and I mean, and, and, in terms of because obviously, like, there's the, the with what we saw from the storyline and kind of the disappointments we had in this film. Like to, to you, Trin, like if, if if like looking back behind the scenes in terms of like what they were doing, like how do you feel as though they could have best changed the storyline and actually made this a film that we could have, you know, people could have liked and just really, like, drawn to in terms of critical acclaim. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, bring, like, just push push the story forward, right? You know, like, like let's let's actually, let's actually get a glimpse of what is going to happen here, right? Because, I mean, you know, we, you know, like, again, again, this, this could kind of be, like, our, like, you know, lack of understanding with this, but, like, I'm, when I saw Jane in the trailer, I was like, okay, is this a byproduct? Like, is this going to be a tie into like, you know, like Spider-Man No Way Home? Where it's like, okay, like, you know, the the multiverse is cracking and all the different variants start to show up in different places. But no, it's just like Jane had cancer. She tried to, she went to the hammer and the hammer made her Thor, right? I mean, that's kind of all it was. It's like, okay, I mean, that's fine. But again, like you, you, you're just telling a bunch of individual stories right now. And I think if you were to kind of pull back on the humor a little bit, like pick your spots better. I mean, that's what made Guardians of the Galaxy work so well. Is that like James Gunn has proven that he knows how to put the humor in the right spot, right? Mm-hmm. But also the movie kind of allows for that, right? Whereas Thor, yeah. you know, for the first two films was so serious. Even in the Avengers films was so serious. And then you get to like, you know, you know, Ragnarok. Of course, that was funny, but it still worked. And then we here, it's just like, yeah, he's kind of like moping around, trying to do the whole hero thing. Um, and there's no real kind of like way forward right now. It's just like, oh, here's a Thor story. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, Marvel, how about just, just tell a better story I, and, and make it a little more intriguing, right? Take some risk, right? Um, and, and be willing to like, be willing to bring us in once again. Absolutely. Uh, to, to, to you, Savon, how do you think the storyline c- could have been improved the most? Not adding so much fluff in there to make it comedic for, for certain. Um, had some real moments. Like, go 
harp on the breast cancer that Jane had. Like make it mm. make it real. Like it it didn't even those real moments. It didn't feel like it was real because it was followed by a parody moment. <laughs> like right. make it yeah. real, make it stick. Thor and I hate to keep basing even the first one, but Thor Ragnarok was the best out of all the Thor films. Even oh, with sure. that, like him, his dad dying, him losing the hammer, him figuring out that it was just to hold to harness the light, like him finding who he truly was, finding out he has a sister. Like those moments felt real. Even with uh Loki, like him having those moments mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, <laughs> that scene keeps popping in my head when you talk about he turned himself into snake and he knows how to he snakes. He's not like snakes in his eyes. Me, it, that was just that's funny. That's rightful funny, like conversational humor. Yeah, like it missed that. It missed that. It just overbeared it, and then it have it didn't have the real moments. Have some real moments. Go back on the Jane thing. It doesn't have to be all about gore. Like it, it wasn't any character development. It was not. Like all these characters were just normal. Like you just picked up where they left off. Even even Korg didn't have any character development. Maybe he did because he was only a face. But even uh, Valkyrie, her character didn't development. All you show is she was the new person over uh, over the place they over Asgard. Asgard. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, it normally does yeah. that for me, but I don't know where he's at. He's twiddling <laughs> his fingers over there. Uh, yeah. But no, it's just, <laughs> I'm joking. But it needed realness. It missed the realness. It just overbear with the comedic aspect. And it was no character. Yeah, it comedic was aspect. no character development whatsoever. Yeah, Jane got the hammer. Okay. Didn't even, hard, didn't even go more further on that. The kids, how do you get the kids to fight with you? Like, do they got something? Right. Did, I know it was foreshadowing you were Asgard. I'm not from Asgard. I'm from other, like, I guess it was foreshadowing. <laughs> but still, like, harp on that a little more. Like, it was, it, it, yeah. it lacked a lot of stuff. It did. Um, and, and, and before we close out, like, looking, for, for, for you, Trent, like, looking back at, at, at the phase four, um, of the MCU, like when you have films like, you know, Black Widow, uh, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Doctor Strange in the multiverse, and then Thor, Love and Thunder. Like, what would you say has been the best and also like like the worst from this from this recent cast of, of the Phase 4? Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I kind of actually, I, I know you and I kind of talked about this a little bit uh, recently, well into it, but, you know, for me, I have it, um, I have it Spider-Man, uh, Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi, Love and Thunder, Black Widow, and Eternals. Um, as far as like kind of where where, uh, where phase four is right now, and and and, 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 and to like Savon's point, he, he's obviously entitled <laughs> to feel however he feels. This is his podcast. I am simply a guest. Uh, but I thought the show she was something that like Marvel had never done before, right? Which is true. Like to I mean to, to go full on into another culture and to really embrace kind of what that culture is. I thought it was so unique. And I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I, I really left the theater. I was like, oh, that was a really, you know, entertaining time. The more I sit with Eternals, the more I'm like, oh, why? You know, yeah, it's, you know no, wonder, no wonder that movie gets pushed back. Because, <laughs> like, this is what it was, right? Um, you know, Black Widow just felt like, uh, man, this is like, this is the last movie of the contract. Let's just pay it in, right? And again, like, yeah, I, I think that, I think Scarlett Johansson, you know, is a great actress, but I don't know if, if Black Widow was able to kind of hold on her own movie, right? You know, um, where and about I think like Spider Man, Spider Man was like 
amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I I legitimately love that movie. Um, I love how it you know it made nostalgia like worth like you know worth seeing without feeling weird about mm-hmm. it, right? Like it didn't like it didn't feel like it didn't feel too pushy. Like yeah, I thought like, the humor of Spider Man worked better because that's what Spider Man is. Like Spider Man's funny. You have that wittiness there. And then, like, of course, as we've already reviewed Multiverse of Madness recently, you know, it, it works for what that does because you're you're continuing the story. You know, you, you've basically taken what happened in WandaVision and now you're kind of bringing it to a close in the Multiverse of Madness while also kind of pushing the story, the, the, the story forward with Doctor Strange. Um, but still, even with that, it's like, okay, I'm, yeah, I mean, so far, Phase 4 has been kind of meh. It's been a meh for me. Yeah, I would give it probably a C plus right now, kind of where it stands. Yeah, and, and, and for you, say, Bond, to close it out, like looking at looking at, at these past Phase Four films, like w- which one would you say recently would you put as the best, and and also like uh, at, at the bottom of that ring? Ah, oh, or maybe like your personal favorite, Spider Man for sure. I think Spider Man is carrying yeah. it <clears throat> for certain. Um, I think Doctor Strange was. Was not bad. I thought it was it was good enough. It's definitely better than Love and Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder is it, it has to be internals being on the bottom, <laughs> then then Love and Thunder, and then yeah, I, I gotta maybe I gotta watch Shang Chi uh, again. I just I just wasn't. Oh man, give it, yeah, give it I just watch. wasn't. Yeah, I think you do. I mean, I love I love uh, I don't know. It's just it for me fit in the MC universe for some reason. It just didn't fit, but I think Spider Man has been carrying it since the End Game, for for sure. And then I mean, yeah, you get the series or whatever. Like I didn't even watch uh, Black Widow the movie. Didn't even watch it. Didn't even want to watch it. The the commercials <laughs> didn't even like get me amped up. Like Love and Thunder commercials yeah. or preview. What it got me amped up to watch, and then we got it got a dud. But with Black yeah. Widows, didn't even like entice me. Like yeah, I'm gonna spend. Fifteen dollars to go watch a movie? No, I'm not going to do it. But no, I do. Well, well, first of all, we couldn't spend fifty dollars to go see it theaters. Remember, we had to like buy it on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, I'm like, man, I spent my money for this. I thought they released it in the theaters, <laughs> then they moved it to uh, Disney Plus, and then she did a lawsuit. No, it was first Disney Plus. It was first Disney Plus. Yeah, like premium access. Yeah. Oh, that's why she did it simultaneously. Okay, that's why. Yeah, they dropped it simultaneously because I told a friend of mine. I said. Just watch. I said, you give it like six months. All of a sudden, you're going to see this tweet get dropped for like, Scarlett Johansson said a lawsuit with Disney. I'm like, yeah, because Disney's going to say, how big do you want the check? And just stroke the check and give it to her, right? Yep. That's all it was. But, but hey, but Scarlett, there's a reason it went straight to Disney Plus. It wasn't worth going to see the TV. No. It, your origin story came eons late. <laughs> but no, Spider-Man <laughs> is, is going to carry... The franchise. It's the top one. Yeah, that's the top yeah. one, for sure. Well, Trent, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, as always. And thanks so much for being back on. we got to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. For a better uh, movie. For a better movie review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was, uh, uh, I, I, I'm definitely going to see Nope this weekend. So I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, intrigued, I'm intrigued by what uh, what the next installment of Jordan Peele's universe looks like. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And maybe... Maybe, you never know. I might be on that. You never know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winsor Burns. Well, I'm my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.